Welcome, everyone. Struscalzo Chronicles the End Times. Thank you so much for joining us today as we continue our study in the book of Revelation. We're going to look at chapter 6 today as the seals begin to be opened on the scroll. And before we get started, I would just like to ask and thank at the same time those of you who have had uh, so many nice remarks and reviews uh, concerning Hidden Thrones, the new novel, the new series that I just released on Amazon. And I just hope that you would go, everyone that's listening today, would go to Amazon and download it because I really believe it has a worth that would bless you. It's really centered on uh, the things around us, the spiritual world that we do not see, and the importance and the power of prayer. Uh, Please go and and check it out. I believe it will be a, a real blessing to you. So now let's get into chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider had a bow, and it was given a crown, and he rode as a conqueror, bent on conquest. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature say, Come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. To him was given a large sword. And when the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a day's wages. Three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. So let's take a look at these first six verses of chapter 6. The first thing we see is we see Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, holding this scroll, and we find from chapter 5 that he's the only one who's worthy to take the scroll and then begin to open the seals, which eventually opens up the scroll which eventually leads to the greater plagues that this book declares. And we know that this scroll is a title deed of the earth. God's going to take back what's his. He gave it to man, we gave it to the devil, and the devil's been running the world. And we have become the salt and light, and we are sojourners in this world. This is not the place where we're going to be. We're traveling through until Christ comes and redeems the whole world back to him. And we discussed how all nature cries out for that moment when it wants to be free from the burden of sin and the curse that was put upon it. And so this first seal is open. And what do we see? We see a rider and a white horse come forth. Now, it's interesting to see he has a bow, but he has no arrow. This is the Antichrist. This is not Christ himself. Many people, they read this and they say, oh, this is Jesus coming back. It's not. He is the false Messiah. So the false Messiah will do everything that the real Messiah will do, obviously, or else there wouldn't be any deceit involved. So remember, deception has some truth in it, or we wouldn't believe it. So deception, though it is a lie, it's twisted truth to make it more palatable and make it more believable. But the Antichrist comes looking just like Jesus Christ, conquering and flattering with deceit 
as Daniel says in chapter 8, that he will cause deceit to prosper and he will flatter many. And when they feel secure, he will reveal his true nature and his, and his uh, evil plans. Now, this white horse indicates this imitation because the devil has been fooling mankind for years with counterfeit religions and messiahs. So this is like the crowning moment. You know, all everything that we've experienced with deception up to this point is just the groundwork. Just like John says in his letters, his three letters, he says that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. And he said that back then, nearly 2,000 years ago. And so we know this is true today, and we know that the spirit of Antichrist is growing. He's given a crown. Now, this is interesting. It says that he's been given a crown. So who gives him this crown? Only one can give him this crown. That's God the Father. You see, God is always in control. In Thessalonians chapter 2, it specifically says that now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. The God is in control of the time. Paul goes on to tell us that the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. But the one that holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. What happens here is that God gives him the crown. He's allowing this to happen. Nothing happens without God allowing it. God doesn't wake up in the morning, you know, and have a cup of coffee. You look at the New York Times and say, oh, man, how'd that happen? He never slumbers. He never sleeps. He's in control. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12 says, I watch over my word to perform it. This next rider, this red horse, it, which indicates war, takes peace from the earth. In verse 4, we see that. And the Antichrist, when he's revealed, he's, he's going to come on as this man of peace. And you've heard about it many times. You know, this suave, debonair kind of guy, all this great knowledge, you know, able to, you know, just charm people. And he will come and he will be accepted as this new leader. But he can't bring peace. The peace he brings is false because the devil can never bring peace. It's not in his DNA. No, he brings war. He brings division. He brings hatred. He brings bigotry. You know, this is what he brings to the table. Now this next horse comes, and with it we see it. it's red horse. It's bringing war, and it takes peace from the earth. Now we need to look back and say and know that the church is not here now. Now there's a lot of debate over that, and if you've been following my podcast, you know we've discussed this many times, you know, the rapture issue. Is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? Is it a big lie, as some books have come out and said? And on and on and on. It's interesting to see if we look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, and we see that the thing that holds it back, okay, that holds back the Antichrist from coming is the church of Jesus Christ. Now, some people say, well, you know, it says that until him who is, you know, taken out of the way, so that thing that is taken out of the way is taken out of the way. The, this Antichrist will not rise up. And some people say, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Well, that's impossible. The world can't survive without the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't exist just in churches. The Holy Spirit is what hovered over the whole earth, the whole planet in the beginning of creation. Without the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, there's no life. 
And so it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to be taken out at this time. It's the salt and the light that's taken out. Okay, we won't even say the church because that is so, you know, it's so broad. That's a broad stroke. You know, we can think of churches and many different churches and many different, you know, denominations and groups and fractions and on and on and on. And, you know, there's there's people who love the Lord in all of them. But the church in general doesn't paint a really, you know, clear picture of what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about those who are the salt and the light. Those that are really following Christ, applying the word of God to their lives, who have come to the cross of Jesus Christ and accepted his forgiveness and now want to live like him. This is the bride of Christ. This is uh, what is being taken out of the way. Then this rider comes forth with all this hatred and all this war that begins to take place. Remember, Christ is the only one that can unify the world. The devil can't unify the world. And his third seal is now broken. And we see a black horse, and he has scales. And this represents famine. Because of the great wars throughout the world, food will be in short supply. You know, history testifies to the fact that war not only kills people, but it destroys the land. And man's tools of destruction have become very efficient. And just think about it. With all the restraints lifted, you can only imagine how devastating this would be. Will there be a, a nuclear war of some type? Will nuclear weapons be used? It's possible. It's possible that this could bring on this great famine across the world that will just devastate the population. And so now we've had the rider come forth, the false ma- messiah, which... You know, Israel will accept, a lot of Israel will accept anyway, and the world will accept eventually as this great leader who's going to solve their problem. And what is the fruit of him coming on the scene? Well, the red horse, war. And then what does war bring? But it brings devastation to people and the land. So let's move on to the fourth seal, the pale horse. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse, its rider named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. And they were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, O sovereign Lord, holy and true? until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, or when they were told to wait a little longer, until the number of the fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Now, it, there's a progression here, right? We had the rider, the Antichrist come, the one who's supposedly bringing all the answers and really going to just bring war and hatred. And then we've seen war break out. And then from the war, obviously, we have pestilence and we have starvation taking place from because of these wars. Right? And now this fourth one is opened and it's a pale horse. And the rider's name is Death and the Grave. So this, this horse is named Death and the Grave. And it was following close behind him. Behind who? Behind the prior horse the third seal, the black horse. So it just 
you can see this plays out, you know, pretty clearly. We have the Antichrist, we have war breakout, right? We have famine because of the war as it breaks out. And then because of the famine and because of the war, we have death, this rider coming his death in the grave. It also defines it even further and says, they were given power over fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, famine and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. And who was they? Well, it's all the horses. You know, not just, you know, death and a grave. Think about it. A fourth of the earth's population. Now, just to do a little math, there is 7 billion people on the earth today. We don't know how many people will be raptured. Let's hope to God it's, it's a lot of people that are, you know, following the Lord throughout the world. And between now and then, you know, uh, we pray for revivals and people will be saved and many, many, many will come to Christ. Let's be generous and say there's a billion. It may be generous and maybe not, depending on your perspective. But let's hope that's at least that, that number. And so it leaves six billion people left on the earth. Now, a fourth of these are going to be killed during this period of time. During this, just this beginning part of the Antichrist. Okay, so simple math tells you that's 1.5 billion people. Reducing the population to 4.5 billion people. That's just staggering. It's, it's just staggering. And this is all before God pours out his wrath in the second half of the tribulation. This is just the fruit of the Antichrist reign that we're seeing here. This is the fruit of the world embracing the false Messiah. This is just what happens. This is what he brings. This is who he is. And then we see this fifth seal is opened up. Christ opened his fifth seal. And what happens is they see all these souls of those who have been slain because of the word of God and the testimony that they carry to Jesus Christ. So who are these people? These people are those who got left behind and now face this horrible uh, situation with the Antichrist and the world changing into hating the Christians. We already see a lot of hate building up against people of faith all over the world. We could go on and on and on to see how many people are being killed around the world for their faith. But here, this situation, what we see over in the Middle East today, it's going to take over the entire world. And Christians will be hunted down and killed because of their faith. And this will happen after God takes the bride out of this world. Remember the salt and the light, which allows this Antichrist to rise up. So let's look at chapter 7 real quick. I'll take a few verses out of there. Just jump ahead, uh, if you'll allow me, uh, just to kind of you know clarify this a little bit. John says, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. And they were all wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. They were worshiping the Lord. Basically what happens in this chapter, John is asked, who are these people? And he says, I don't know. You know. And one of the elders says to him, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. There was a multitude that no one could count. And so we're seeing the grace and the mercy of God. We can look at the tribulation and say, you know, God is a mean old person that just wants to kill people and takes great joy in that, and that's not true. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that scripture in Ezekiel in prior podcasts where he says, I take no delight 
in the death of the wicked. God doesn't delight in sending people to hell. People choose to go to hell. And during the tribulation period, they will decide to follow the Antichrist and not the true Christ. But those in the millions and millions will say, wow, this is not right. I fell away from God. I started, you know, back in my old life, living my old ways. But I know. The word says that the word goes out and it doesn't come back empty. In other words, it performs what it's going to perform, what it's meant to perform. So when the word of God goes forth, you may not see action right away, but it's there in the heart. And at the right moment, it will be lit on fire and it will be brought back to people's memories. And this is what's going to happen. And they'll know that no way am I going to follow the Antichrist because that's the end for eternity and I'm not going that way. And so the sixth seal gets opened. And this is kind of the declaration of the end. Until now, the world has only experienced the consequences of their own lusts, you know, being out of control. The Antichrist kind of opens a candy store and says, anybody can have whatever they want and as much as they want. So now, for the first time, what's happening now is God's wrath is being poured out on the earth. This is separate. We need to know that. We need to know that God's wrath is separate. It's separate from the fruits of sin in in the beginning of the tribulation. It's separate from persecution of the Christians. God's not into persecuting his own people. This is all the work of the devil. It's all the work of Satan. It shifts to God pouring out his wrath on the earth. Now, is there an escape for this? If you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is like really heavy-duty, crazy stuff, but it's true and it's coming. And and can we escape this? You know, many people say, oh, you know, you're just in the rapture because you want to escape your escapism. You know, you want to escape. Sure I do. If the building's on fire and there's a door that I can get out of, I'm going to get out of it. I'm not going to sit there, well, you know what? I'm supposed to burn in here and die, so I'll just do that. You know, it's just silly. In Romans 1, chapter 18, the word says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who do what? Suppress the truth by their wickedness. And in chapter 5, he goes on to say, Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So there's many promises of God to his people that he will save them from the wrath. Now, save them from what? God's wrath. Not save them from persecution, for we know through history that that's not true. The church has been persecuted down through the ages. So God's not saying, you know, I'm going to keep you from persecution. I mean, Jesus was crucified. And he said, if they did this to me, they'll do it to you. You know, the student is not greater than the teacher or the master. So what God is saying, I'm going to save you from the wrath, my wrath that I'm going to pour down on this earth. That's what he's going to save us from. In Romans 2, it says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. And this is what we're talking about here in the book of Revelation. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul goes on to say, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. And in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. 
there's so many scriptures that point to God, you know, not allowing his wrath to come upon his people. Just like when the angels came to, to get Lot out. And just like in the days of Noah. God couldn't flood the earth until he closed up the ark and Noah was inside. God couldn't rain down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah until Lot and his family were out. And that is the formula, and that's the formula Jesus talked about in Luke. So we're going to march on to chapter 7 next. I hope that uh, you're being blessed by this. Uh, I believe the book of Revelation has so many things in it. It's not all about, you know, destruction. It, there's some there's some very hidden truths in there that uh, go all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way through the Bible, and bless us and strengthen us. And remember, there is a blessing in this book for all those who read it. So the chapter ends with worship and praise unto the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who is only worthy. Let's follow him with all our hearts and all our souls. Until next time, we'll get to chapter 7. God bless you.